Chapter Thirteen of The Submarine Boys and the Spy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Submarine Boys and the Spies by Victor G. Durham. Chapter Thirteen: The Fellow Who Showed the White Flag hal lay face down and subjected to all the brutal fury of the frenchman's assault for a few seconds young hastings did all in his power to fight back he was rapidly losing consciousness however and poor jack lay unable to lend as much as a finger's weight to the defence of his chum then with an oath in a foreign tongue gaston forced hal's hands back snapping handcuffs on the engineer's wrists now then you young pest snarled gaston springing to his feet instead of one of you i have two but two shall give me no more trouble than one so you thought you could subdue me me did you i'd have thrashed you all right muttered hal his senses returning under the storm of taunts if my foot hadn't caught and thrown me you wouldn't dare to free my hands and let me to my feet just to see what would happen to you you can't fight unless all the advantage is handed to you you're a coward not a fighter careful my young firebrand or i'll teach you to be more polite to me sneered the frenchman polite to you jeered hal polite to a spy to a thief of nations polite to a scoundrel who wants to steal the biggest secret of defence that the united states navy has oh we'll have your secret all right announced the frenchman his voice harsh with triumph we now have the two boys who know all about the secrets of the pollard boats this sounds so good i reckon we'd better go right on in jerry broke in another voice gaston started as did the two submarine boys then the chauffeur leaped to the mouth of the tunnel only to draw back in dismay as a big form emerged and loomed up before his startled vision the last comer wore the dress and insignia of a petty officer of the united states navy get back there warned this big apparition waving a warning hand that looked big enough to be a ham nobody can't go out until we look into this cargo after the big sailor a smaller one crawled out of the tunnel rising to his feet though he was smaller this second sailor was not exactly what could have been called a little man now then demanded the big sailor who's captain of this craft gaston his eyes threatening to bulge from his head had fallen back against the wall opposite his mouth was wide open but he ventured no answer stow my sidelights jerry muttered the big sailor to his mate but this is a queer-looking hold and the two young men here who'd look like officers of the service if they wasn't so young there never was anybody more delighted to see you broke fervently from jack benson's you belong to the waverley aye aye shipmate then you know the submarine of course aye shipmate i am the captain and my friend the engineer of that craft the big sailor's reply was an explosive yell don't let that snake-in-the-grass frenchman get away mates begged jack earnestly jerry i reckon you can hold the only gangway that opens in on this place can't ye demanded the big sailor turning to his sturdy-looking shipmate i reckon hickey said the other 
this frenchman is one of a gang of foreign spies who have taken this means to force us to furnish plans drawings and all information about the pollard submarine boats jack continued you see how he has us ironed down here got the keys to them irons frenchy demanded the big sailor turning upon gaston yes shivered the fellow looking yellow with fright then turn our shipmates loose not too much delay about it either ordered hickey gaston obeyed as meekly as a lamb there was a look in hickey's steady eyes which would lead one to suppose that the big sailor might be able to use his strength in tearing a worthless human being apart i hope you can understand all the thanks i feel like giving remarked the young submarine captain as he rose to his feet then offered his hand to the big sailor oh stow the thanks anyway laughed hickey but jerry and me ain't in for what we thought might be comin to us what was that asked jack with interest turning back as he held out his hand to jerry why ye see nodded hickey after glancing down at the frenchman who was now unlocking hal's handcuffs i've got a home a little plantation about two miles back here that i'm going to settle on for good one of these days the wife and kids live there i'd been telling jerry about the craft and crew and as soon as we got shore leave i took jerry in tow we've been up there two days and tonight we started back through the woods cause our leave is up at six in the morning well while we was comin through the woods we happened to stop a minute then we see this frenchy sneaking through the woods we wondered what was up then he vanished we looked about some quiet like and on tiptoe and then we saw this shipmate of yourn pry apart some bushes and head in this way it looked queer to us what did you think was up asked jack why as near as we could figure this was some smuggler's hiding place and we was figurin that perhaps jerry and me would have five hundred or a thousand dollars reward to divvy up on it wasn't but anyway jerry and me are proper glad we stumbled in on this just the same now mate spin your own yarn hal was on his feet by this time and shaking hands with the two rescuers gaston at the furthest end of the little room again cowered against the wall frightened and surly jack benson told as much of the story as he thought wise though he felt it best to leave out the names of monsieur lemaire and mademoiselle nadiboff next hal described how at the hotel he had set himself to watching gaston how he had shadowed the fellow did he come out here in an auto asked jack no if he had i couldn't have followed hal responded but this place is barely four miles from the hotel we can get back in an hour what you going to do with this feller anyway demanded hickey jerking a thumb in the direction of the frightened gaston turn him over to the police spoke jack promptly even if we fail to prove anything else hal can help me fasten a charge of felonious assault on the scoundrel that will be enough to keep him locked up for a couple of years to come gaston heard this with a falling jaw though he did not venture to say anything well jerry and me are ready whenever you are mates hinted big hickey jack nodded and they filed out jerry coming last of all to make sure that the frenchman did not lag behind now stand up me bucko ordered hickey seizing the chauffeur's collar as that worthy crawled through the bushes at the outer end of the tunnel trying to steal submarine secrets was ye 
so some foreign nation ud have the trick of blowing our battleships to pieces and the sailors on em jerry what do you reckon ought to be about right for frenchy pass him over to me and i'll see grinned the smaller sailor hickey grasped the frightened chauffeur in both hands then fairly hurled him at the smaller sailor jerry struck him once with each lively fist then sent the fellow spinning back to hickey the latter caught gaston tossing him up in the air then striking him hard as the fellow came down this done the chauffeur was again hurled back at jerry for some time the two sailors kept this up it was rough heavy punishment gaston bellowed like a sick bull under all the strenuous handling he must have ached in every bone in his body when hickey finally caught him on a rebound and held him off at arm's length had about enough frenchy demanded the big sailor oh mercy monsieur panted the fellow wailingly i have had plenty to last me all my life i wish i knew whether ye was lyin muttered hickey thoughtfully i don't feel a bit tired yet do you jerry me the exercise has warmed me up fine grinned the smaller sailor mercy messieurs mercy wailed gaston sinking down to his shaking knees for he feared that these grim tormentors meant to kill him i just as soon you'd let up on the scoundrel if you don't mind mates broke in jack you see what a cur he is when he isn't having it all his own way i told him back in the cave that he'd be just this sort of a fellow if the tables happened to be turned did ye say ye was goin to turn him over to the officers asked hickey yes spoke jack benson decisively a fellow plying the trade of this one needs to be locked up as long as possible oh no 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 my brave captain implored gaston wobbling around upon his knees so as to face the submarine boy not the jail not the prison me i have always been as free as the birds of the air i would die in prison i can't see where much loss will come if you do retorted jack coldly hal you brought the handcuffs out with you he held up both pairs no 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 pleaded gaston almost tearfully not such disgrace as that let me have a pair of the bracelets requested hickey holding out one of his hands now my fine bird let me clip your wings gaston submitted meekly enough then was dragged to his feet while hal had brought out the lantern and the handcuffs famished thirst tormented jack benson had looked after the water-bottle and the sandwiches now as all hands trudged along toward the beach the young skipper ate and drank to his full content arrived in town they roused a cottager from him they learned where to find the police station gaston was thrown into a cell and jack entered formal complaint against the fellow jacob farnum still awake was found at the hotel when hickey and jerry returned aboard the gunboat neither felt so sorry about not having located a smuggler's camp in full operation jacob farnum had taken the sailor pair apart presenting each with a hundred dollar bill End of chapter thirteen